Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Welcome, John. Great to be here, Lewis. Well, this week, the big news in education, at least in California, was the appointment of Austin Butner as the next superintendent of the Los Angeles Unified School District. L.A. is the second largest school district in the country and by far the largest school district in California. So what happens there really has an outside impact, of course, on the entire region in Southern California, but on the entire state and arguably on the on the country, given the volume and uh, of kids who go through there. That's right. So we thought we should really focus this week on that appointment. But before we talk to... Nick Melvoyan, who is vice president of the Los Angeles Unified School Board, one of the five members who voted for Butner, and uh, John Rogers, a professor at UCLA's Graduate School of Education and Information Studies, about their views on the Butner appointment. Let's uh, just hear a little bit from Austin Butner himself when he spoke at Belmont High School when he was introduced, as it were, to the community. Now, my commitment today to the students of LA Unified is to be honest and transparent. If things are not right, let's not sugarcoat it. Let's have a candid conversation and figure out how to make it right. My commitment to the students of LA Unified is to make sure everything we do and I do is with your best interest in mind. Well, for those of you who haven't been following school politics in Los Angeles, uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Austin Butner. He's 58 years old. He's never actually run a school district. In fact, he hasn't worked in a school district. He's not a teacher. He made his fortune in investment banking. And uh, last 10 years or so, he's gone into politics, actually, and in philanthropy. He served as a deputy mayor in Los Angeles about seven or eight years ago. He was publisher of the Los Angeles Times for about a year before right. being fired by the owners um, over cutbacks they were trying to make. And uh, he co-chaired the 2020 Commission, which made recommendations about the future of Los Angeles. And also significantly, he recently co-chaired an advisory task force on LA Unified and uh, made a number of recommendations on absenteeism in the district. So he's actually very, very familiar with what's happening in Los Angeles. So we thought we would uh, talk to Nick Melvoin, who is the vice president of the LA Unified Board of Education, uh, about why the board settled on Austin Butner. I think there's no harder job in the city of Los Angeles, potentially the whole state, than superintendent of the Los Angeles Unified School District. And so we were fortunate to have some wonderful candidates apply from around the country and here internally. And before we started the search, or as part of the search, the board really backwards plan to say what are the greatest challenges facing the district right now. A looming financial crisis, persistent and pervasive achievement gaps, uh, chronically underperforming schools, uh, declining enrollment. And I think that when we looked at those challenges and what's going to be needed to solve them, um, in a climate of severe underfunding of our public schools in California, in years of kind of slow growth, um, our uh, graduation rate has been increasing, but our college readiness rate has been pretty stagnant. And, you know, the board 
board decided that an unconventional leader who and Superintendent Butner is definitely unconventional, having worked in the private sector uh, for the city of LA as a deputy mayor, uh, publisher of the LA Times, started a nonprofit. Um, but it was actually the fact that our our previous superintendent, Michelle King, had handpicked Austin to run a task force looking at the district's intractable, intractable problems and coming up with out-of-the-box solutions. And so uh, he had an interesting mix of this insider but outsider perspective. You know, when I look at comparable districts around the country, and there are only a few that have been improving over the last decade, you know, I look at New York, I look at Chicago, and I look at also unconventional choices there. Joel Klein in New York, Arnie Duncan in Chicago, and I think this is our unconventional moment to say, let's bring someone with a unique skill set who can understand our financial challenges, try to ensure that we're getting more funding from Sacramento, uh, restore some of the philanthropic civic partnerships to LAUSD, and also just bring a new um, perspective to these, again, intractable problems of pervasive achievement gaps in underperforming schools. It seems like that you kind of see an interesting combination, as you pointed out, between insider and outsider. I believe we wrote here at EdSource about that the many school districts are going to hiring an insider, somebody who's lived in the district or has worked in the district for many years, in, in part to, to stem the turnover that has happened so frequently. And L.A. has suffered from that as well. Um, now, in the case of uh, Mr. Butner, he is, didn't work for the district, but he's lived in L.A. and he knows the district intimately. I mean, do you think it's kind of a, the best of both worlds? I do. And I think, you know, when, again, when the board put together our job description, kind of the knowledge of the complexities of Los Angeles was one of the four or five factors that we decided on. And so some of our other finalists who are really strong superintendents in their own right didn't come with that knowledge. And I think, you know, when we look at our financial challenges, our labor challenges, the need to really uh, align with some of our labor groups and align with our charter partners to go to Sacramento and ensure more funding, ensure more equitable special education funding. I think someone like Austin, who's got that deep uh, L.A. knowledge, again, was the the first deputy mayor of the city of L.A. under our former mayor and also the publisher of the paper of record. Um, He he does have, like you said, that kind of interesting best of both worlds insider-outsider perspective. I should note he didn't stay at the LA Times that long not 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 by choice of course he was he was let go by the by the former owner He was and I think that you know I wasn't I wasn't at the Times but <clears throat> I think in the LA Times editorialized um it really I think was a fair editorial this week saying, hey, this is an unconventional choice, but could be the right guy for the right time, which is obviously what the board feels. But I think one of the reasons that Austin was let go from the LA Times is because uh, there was a fight between kind of control from Chicago, corporate control from Chicago and local ownership and an unwillingness to really just cut, cut, cut. And so that's a message that I hope to share with our labor partners and some of those who maybe feel some anxiety um, about this choice, that this isn't about... uh, you know, bringing in a kind of a corporate tycoon to cut, cut, cut. This is about really bringing in a um, someone with a mix of political and financial acumen to help this district thrive in a challenging climate. I did want to ask you, though, to what extent did the biz- did his business background play a, a, a major role in the decision, given the financial crisis, really, that the district faced? It played a big role. I mean, I think LA Unified over the last 
couple decades that has had a few inflection points. I mean, in the early 2000s, when we had an overcrowding problem, we bought, we brought in another unconventional superintendent, Governor of Colorado, Roy Romer, to build 130 uh, plus new schools. And I think at this time, uh, our precarious challenge is our finances. We have a $15 billion unfunded pension liability. We have a structural deficit that hasn't been addressed. And so I think Austin's financial acumen and really uh, track record of making sometimes courageous decisions is what the board was attracted to. Um, uh, again, knowing that that better financial decisions is one part of the equation, but growing the pie and increasing our revenue is also a crucial part of that equation. I do have to ask you about the charter school issue. Uh, you were elected with the support of, I don't know whether Mr. Butner contributed to your campaign. Austin did not contribute to my campaign. Okay, uh, but you were elected, and the and the board majority was elected with, you know, a huge amount of money from the, the charter advocates, and I think a lot of people have been looking at your choice to kind of read the tea leaves as to what the selection of Mr. Butner would mean for the the charter controversy. Let's say Austin Butner is on the board of a charter school organization and uh, is closer. He's not viewed as kind of in the real pro-charter advocacy camp, but he's, he's a, a friend of charter schools. Well, you know, one of the one of my real um, goals in my nine or ten months on the board has been actually to move us beyond this charter district dichotomy and actually, I think, get the district to where our parents, where our stakeholders are, which is that we want strong public school choices um, of all types. And so the work I've been proud of doing is creating a task force to look at our uh, oversight, uh, look at our long-term facilities leases, look at how do we mitigate some of these these challenges. And the board, uh, we just had a presentation a couple of weeks ago where our district staff, um, under the leadership of our interim superintendent, Ms. Ekchian, and a charter consortium really came together to say, hey, we're making progress on these issues and, and coming together. I think Austin uh, was selected in that vein. You're right, he's not a, he's not a charter candidate, um, but I think he's open, as I am, as this board is, to the idea that part of this new portfolio of public schools are charters. But the best way to ensure the success of the kids of Los Angeles is provide a lot of great options. And so I think that you'll see a continuation of the what I would say is kind of the new spirit of collaboration of the last 10 months or so. Um, you're not going to see, as I can, you know, I've tried to convince folks in the, uh, since my tenure started, you're not going to see this rapid proliferation of charter growth. This board has denied charters. We have um, uh, closed charters. But you're going to see a, a realization that, you know, when all the air is sucked out of the room by the charter district divide, the other pressing challenges, underfunding, inequitable special education funding, lack of career and college prepar uh, preparation, those things get lost. And so my hope is that we continue down that collaborative path, understanding that our charter schools are partners, um, and we work on the kind of real looming uh, crises that we face. One last question on that uh, issue, because it's interesting now, this whole charter issue is becoming a really big issue in the gubernatorial campaign. Uh, many of the same people who funded, who supported your campaign and others on the school board now also supporting the, the former mayor, Vera Gosa, and so on. 
But uh, to what extent was that you were in the room? To what extent was the charter issue and the positions of the candidates on charter schools a factor in this decision? So it was one of our questions. One, how do you see charters as part of the financial challenges of the district? And actually, you know, Mr. Butner, I, I think, and will likely say publicly, you know, hit one of his analyses that I found compelling is even if you got rid of the the loss to the district of students who are going to charter schools, if you table that, we still have a structural deficit. We still have a $15 billion liability. So I think he was compelling in saying, like, this is the red herring. Um, this, with all this focus on, on charter growth is really preventing you from addressing your underlying issues. We, we asked a question of how charters fit in this portfolio model, and I would say that all of our candidates had similar uh, answers about charters um, being part of the equation, but not the end-all be-all, but also moving, you know, a few candidates, I think, said something like, that train has left the station. When 20% of your kids are in charters, let's figure out how to work together as opposed to relitigate these fights. So, I, you know, I'll say it's unfortunate that we still have these political fights because I do think that as evidenced by these candidate interviews, like superintendents around the country, parents in L.A., understand that this is the new normal and we have to work together. Um, the fact that we're still spending millions against each other on the charter issue, I hope to, uh, I hope we can move beyond. Well, thank you so much. We've been talking with Nick Melvoyan. He's the vice president of the Los Angeles Unified Board of Education. What happens in L.A. is not only critically important to L.A., the whole of Southern California, but the entire state of California, and you could argue to the rest of the United States, given the number of students that uh, go through your schools and hopefully graduate and are a success uh, as adults. So thank you for talking with us today. Look forward to continuing the discussion. Likewise, and thanks so much for having me. Well, you know, we also had a chance to talk to John Rogers, who is a professor at UCLA and director of UCLA's Institute for Democracy, Education, and Access called IDEA. And John has a different perspective on this so tell us, what do you think of the selection of Austin Butner as superintendent? The process was neither fully inclusive nor fully transparent. And when, when Michelle King, the former superintendent, announced her retirement in January, the president of the board, Monica Garcia, said, our goal moving forward is to have an open search process that will end in a unanimous vote. And what happened was... The search process moved forward very quickly. There was very little public engagement throughout the process. And in the end, there was a divided vote. And that's the first divided vote um, this century. <laughs> and we've had many different changes in the superintendency um, in Los Angeles during this time. And so I have concerns about that and what that means for setting up Mr. Butner for success and more importantly, setting up the district for success moving forward. But what about the selection itself? I think we're, we're going to have to see moving forward how Mr. Butner does. He has not um, led an educational system or worked in schools in, in any formal way. And so that raises some serious questions about whether he is ready to help to create a learning environment for all the adults in the educational system in Los Angeles and hence for the students in the system as well. Well, about 35,000 of those adults are teachers, members of a UTLA, and let's just say they didn't give him a welcoming message at, at his appointment. They were very critical of him. Is it going to be tough for him to, to build a sense of uh, 
community and unity in the district. Well, Mr. Butner, in his first couple of days has said he wants to learn. And I think that suggests that he wants to reestablish relationships. And I think that's critically important. One of his liabilities as a starting point is that he brings with him a set of relationships with people who have already alienated the teachers union and some other constituencies as well. So Mr. Butner has a long-standing relationship with Eli Brode, who, um, in fact, Mr. Butner and Mr. Brode tried to purchase the Los Angeles Times together in, I think, 2013. Mr. Brode has worked for the last 20 years to try to take over the Los Angeles Unified School District in various different ways. Going back 20 years, he first tried to influence a school board election and then about a decade ago with, Ms. with Mr. Villaraigosa as mayor, he tried to help assert mayoral control. And then more recently, he tried to lead an effort to take over half of the schools in Los Angeles Unified and, and have those shift over to the charter sector. And so for a variety of different reasons, the teachers union and some other sectors are suspicious of Mr. Brode. And because Mr. Butner has strong relationships with Mr. Brode, it means that Mr. Butner has to reintroduce himself and reestablish trust with various different constituencies. I also want to express my hope that Mr. Butner will bring a, a, a period of stability and growth to the district. That was John Rogers, professor of education at UCLA. What happens in LA is extremely important for the entire state. So uh, we will be following what happens there very closely. And that just about wraps it up for this week in California education. John, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, Lewis. And thanks to you out there for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation. See you next week.